This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members, Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino, as we uh, get you all prepped and recapped on everything that's been going on here. Um, we're actually going to have a four-quarter uh, format, so we got a lot of sports to talk about. I know it's been a while since we've had that, so um, looking forward to that as we do some recaps, some news in there as well. Uh, but a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Um, make sure that you uh, give us a like and write a nice little review if you like. Um, we're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Android, wherever you, you listen to your favorite podcast. Make sure you do look us up. Um, so like I said, we're going to do the four-quarter format. I don't remember the last time we did a four-quarter format, but um, it's exciting to get back there. In the first quarter, we're going to talk about, um, get you caught up on everything that's going on with our local teams, basketball, some comebacks, um, et cetera. In the second quarter, we are going to be joined by New Trier Girls basketball head coach, Terry Rogers, as she talks about um, having a layoff and finally getting the uh, season started uh, this past week. In the third quarter, we are bringing back way or no way. It's been a while since we've Woo-hoo! done that. So we'll get Marty and Joe uh, fighting it out. We'll see how much controversy we can start in this week's episode. <laughs> and in the fourth quarter, we uh, do some uh, more newsy hits. We talk about um, the future of Gage Gym. Uh, it doesn't look great for those who haven't read the story yet. And we'll also talk about uh, how the past year and the pandemic has affected youth sports in the area as well. So um, like I like to call it, it's a jam-packed episode of the podcast. So make sure you guys sit down, grab some popcorn maybe or wherever you're listening to this grab a drink if you want and uh, listen to us spew about sports for a solid 40 to 40 minutes to an hour we'll see how it goes but um let's get things started here in the first quarter where we recap some basketball that's been happening around here um and why don't we start things off with the Loyola girls team which uh has really started off uh really strong they uh um, have been really been thrown into the fire here with a lot of games to start things off. But Joe, I know that you were at their game on this past Saturday, the 13th against Montini, where um, the Ramblers just really are showing just how strong and talented of a team they are, just as we expect heading into the year. Yeah, they got they got a squad, guys. Um, five seniors in the starting lineup. All five are playing college next year. Um, so we just have kind of a very well-rounded group. Um, they've got two significant post players with Summer Parker Hall and um, Izzy Ogliori. And they've got basically a three guard and shooting front court or back court um, who, who's, you know, they got, they got good touch. They, they run in transition. They all know each other very well. So it's a very fluid game. And Montini on Saturday, it was the second game against Montini in the first six. So, um, Montini threw a completely new look at them than they did three days prior. And it really stymied um, Loyola to start. They couldn't get the ball in the post. They like to enter it in the post, then kind of kick it out, kind of play a little inside out game. And uh, 
and and it stymied them for a while. But um, the the backcourt picked up the pace on them. Um, they were able to force a lot of turnovers as well. And once they got the groove in the second half, um, Coach Schoenacher put in a couple different types of offenses, uh, ways to get into the post. Um, it really smoothed things out, got them back in rhythm, and they kind of ran away with it um, there at the end and created a nice cushion. But um, I think that's the type of team they're going to be. Um, they're they're well-rounded. They work together. They got a good flow. Um, all five of their players can score, so you can kind of very really rare. You know, they you can kind of it's going to be somebody's night, and it's going to rotate. Um, so it's nice and. So that was their fifth win in six um, days. And then they got um, two more wins on Sunday and Monday. So they had seven wins in eight days before getting a day off finally yesterday. Um, so pretty impressive stuff for the Ramblers to start. Um, they got a good squad. It's kind of a shame we won't see a, a postseason, but I think we're going to see a very special ending to those five seniors. In a normal yeah. non-pandemic year, what, uh, what do you think the ceiling for this team could have been, Joe? Uh, I, I think it's a sectional um, championship caliber team. I think uh, they might run into trouble if they have a, a, a big, um, if they face off against a big that can, um, that can bully around their, their two post players. Cause they're not huge. Some um, of those main West teams from years prior. Right. Right. And um, maybe a team that's uh, really fast as well and can get them out in transition um, might do them in, but it's, no team I, I can't see a team blowing them out they're they're just that solid um so yeah I think we would probably be looking at a sectional championship type team and if they made it they, they had potentially make it downstate I don't know if they're a winner but maybe a trophy yeah really uh really talented team obviously able to take care of business against teams like Evanston as well like uh, um really um cool to watch what they've been able to do a lot of talent on that team so if you can uh, make sure you check them out on a live stream or um, I don't know how quickly we'll be able to get spectators there, but make sure you check out uh, them in our recaps and uh, maybe a live stream if you see it somewhere on the internet. But um, why don't we stay on the girls uh, basketball bead where Joe, I know you're also um, able to uh, catch Nutrier girls uh, take on Libertyville for its late season opener. I know the weather kind of played a role in this one for you, but uh, what were you able to see and just what was the reaction from the team um, just getting the season started after some COVID troubles to start the year. Yeah, I've, I've really been happy to to watch some of these teams early on and get out in the field. But on um, on Monday, the snow kind of snowed me in, and kind of um, um, our our nanny had to cancel. So um, we were stuck at home. But luckily, all these streams, I was able to watch Nutrier at Libertyville to open the season. Libertyville. Um, always a quality program and they've already, they already had four games in the bag. And I think you could kind of tell that Nutria looked a little rusty, especially early with the turnovers. Um, offensive rebounding uh, was big for, for Libertyville. And they kind of just uh, took it to Nutria, especially in the second quarter where they went on a 15 2 run. Some really beautiful basketball. They got out in transition a lot, um, beautiful bounce passes for two over and over. It was a, uh, it was a really, really fun to watch them kind of do that. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> for Nutrier um, was on the was kind of the victim in that. Um, but Nutrier's got um, got some players. Um, they've got a three-year varsity player in Liv Becker. They've got five seniors. They play all five um, come in and out. I think uh, they're going to have a well-rounded team too, uh, with with a good inside game. Um, but we didn't see a lot of that because there were a couple players missing. Um, they also got a lot of. Uh, 
a lot of their players some time um, as the first game of the season, getting people back into it. Um, not everybody had probably the lungs to, to run um, a full 20 minutes or so. So um, I don't think we saw a full new Trier team just getting back in the groove. Um, and uh, But they were happy to be back out there. Um, and then they came back a couple days later and took down Niles North. Um, so I think once we get into these some of these conference games, I know they I think they got Glenbrook North tonight, and I think we're going to get some more conference games coming up soon. We're going to see how they fare against the Evanstons and the GBSs and things like that. So um, good team. Um, they're happy to be back, especially for those five seniors. Yeah, exactly. And um, we'll hear more from Terry Rogers in the second quarter, like I mentioned before. But why don't we move over to the Ramblers, um, who are now at four and two. Uh, overall, one and zero in the CCL after a loss to rival Evanston, fifty-four to thirty-six on Monday. Um, two teams kind of kept it close for much of the game and um, weren't able to hold it off. Evanston kind of took it into another gear and made some three pointers to kind of take control of the game toward the end. But um, Loyola did have an impressive win against uh, Saint Ignatius to uh, keep the Jesuit Cup. So. What have you guys kind of seen so far? I mean, like I've said, there've been some cancellations that we've seen some games, um, a lot of games happen so far, but what have you guys seen from this Loyola boys team so far as um, they kind of try to figure things out and try to figure out um, who they are, obviously with a new roster and um, obviously just trying to figure out an identity as opposed to last year's team. I haven't had a chance to check them out too much, but I have had a chance to read a lot of our work at the record and some other um, articles that have, have covered the team. And as you alluded to, Michael, it, it seems like it'll be a bit of a rebuilding year for them, but it still appears that there's a, a lot of talent on that roster and uh, a lot of depth as well. Um, some really great athletes on that roster as well. And we know that they're going to be well coached and play to play hard. So I think we can expect them to have a, a solid season, but uh, I think it's probably going to fall a little bit short compared to um, the historic season they had last year. Yeah, I think they lost, um, as, as you mentioned, um, a lot of talent on the, on the offensive end as well. So they're still figuring that out, but you can see from the different players that kind of lead them in scoring, lead them in, in different categories every night that um, one, they're figuring out their offense, and two, they've got a lot of people that can contribute, especially athletically, which leads to good defense. Um, and, and you can kind of tell just from how, uh, the results are popping up and, and the scoring that it's, it's a classic Libertino team is he's leveraging all of his talent and all of his athleticism, taking a lot of charges, you know, they pass out those chains for all those charges. And uh, it, it's, it's a hard nosed team that you don't want to really play on any given night because um, they play tough and, and they're going to hold you down. Yeah, definitely. So we'll see more of the Ramblers as they kind of move on forward. Um, and let's finish our roundup here of basketball with the Nature Boys team. And um, it'll be a pretty quick roundup because they haven't played in a while since as they're still uh, battling some um, COVID restrictions there. As of right now, on the Wednesday scheduled to play on the 20th against uh, Glenbrook South at Glenbrook South at 4 p.m. Um, that game got pushed back a day there. But um, obviously when they get back to things, I mean, we've seen GBS and, um, it seems, uh, that a new Martinelli has taken over for GBS and, um, a lot of the talent is still coming back from, uh, last year's team. It looks like, uh, it'll be, uh, a tough battle for Nutri to come back from, especially from almost a two week hiatus, uh, when they get back on Saturday, guys. Uh, unfortunately it's, uh, it's troubling that their first game back will be against such a, a difficult team and a team that we've seen sort of set itself up as, um, 
I don't want to say the class of the CSL because obviously we have Evanston there as well, but one of the top teams in the CSL, um, if not right there with Evanston. So it'll be a, it'll be a great measuring stick for the Trevians and hopefully um, fingers crossed that game is, is going to go on and we'll be able to, uh, to see the Trevs back in action here soon. Two undefeated teams. Nutria is one and oh. Battle of the undefeateds, but um, you know, Nutria's got um one man down, Ian Burns, um, one of their starters and the only held over starter from last year. I think he's gonna be out most of the season. So um, like Marty said, it'll be a good measuring stick. I think GBS is is gonna be really tough um for them to pull off, but um I'm sure they're just glad to be back after another week hiatus. All right, well, let's stick with basketball here as we move over to the second quarter of the podcast as we are joined by uh, New Trier, uh, girls basketball head coach, Terry Rogers. Um, Joe, I know that you got a chance to catch up with her after uh, their first game back after a while. So uh, what are we going to hear from uh, Coach Rogers here? Yeah, you'll hear, you know, Coach Rogers and I talked a little bit about um, kind of where they fell short against Libertyville. Um and, um, you know, she talks about the, the, the rebounding and the transition buckets and, um, you know, getting the confidence back they, that they need. Um, we also go through the roster and what they bring to the table and just really how they're glad to be back out there and, and playing the game that they love. And just for our right. listeners, this is a um, this is a really strong Libertyville team, correct, Joe? And a team that we saw go toe to toe with the Loyola girls team that we obviously talked uh, very highly of early on in the show. Yeah, Libertyville is a perennial, you know, state contender, at least a state qualifier. Um, they're always in the top 10, if not the top five. And that's more this year. They, they got taken down by, by Loyola, but in a, in a close matchup. So, yeah, uh, Wildcats are always for real. All right. Well, let's take a listen to what Coach Rogers has to say. You mentioned um, you were missing a shooter today. Uh, it, it did seem like your shot making wasn't where, obviously, you wanted it to be. Was that a product of just, yeah, I don't know, rust or their defense or? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I, I thought in the first first half in particular, you know, we got some good looks, but they were quick. You know, we were shooting really, really quick. But, uh, you know, just, um, yeah, you know, we I thought we got some good shots. and um, You know, but again, we just rushed, you know, because they're flying out at you. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, we would just shoot a little bit quicker than I think we, we have been in practice. And so... Um, you know, those, those shots aren't going to be as consistent. Um, so with, with a short, um, abbreviated season here, um, I know goals, um, are different than in most years. Then, uh, so w- what are you really trying to get out of this team or what are you trying to get them to do and accomplish this year? just really about some life skills and, and just going out and playing hard um, and competing. 
you know, we want to win, but we really just want to compete. Um, and, and, and just as I said, empower and inspire each other um, to, to give our best every single time we're out there. Um, and so, you know, to me, that's our goal. Uh, obviously, if a win comes, then great. That, that results in a win, then great. But, uh, you know, we're definitely going to compete to win. Um, I think that's an important skill is to go out there and compete and try your best. Um, you know, but, uh, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I think something else that we're really thinking about a lot is honoring our seniors. Um, you know, their senior year has been really upended. And so the, you know, the, the more we can honor them and support them and, and put them in situations to enjoy what they're doing, I think, you know, we're definitely focusing on that as well. Um, so that's definitely something that we're, it's, it's a goal for us. And I'm sorry, at the beginning, did you say you had five seniors? We do, yep. Uh, Liv, Liv Becker, Hannah Schneiderman is the one that's come, uh, was there today. Liv Nickel, Aiden Casey, and Nicole Favish. Thanks so much for the insight uh, from Terry Rogers. And as always, thank you for all the coaches and players. Always good to get your guys' insight and uh, hear um, your guys' perspective from the game. So but before we move on over to the third period, quarter of the podcast. Let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure to check them out. Move better, live better. All right, so we are back uh, in the third quarter now where we're going to do our game of way or no way. And for those of you who might not know what that is, um, I don't blame you. It's been a while since we've done it because obviously there has been much live sports to talk about or debate about. But um, way or no way is a game where I ask Joe and Marty five questions. Uh, they say, I give them a proposition and they say, way, yes, it can happen or no way it cannot happen. Um, usually it leads to a lot of shouting matches in the past. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to this. We'll see how good of questions they are. And I will want to say, um, leading up to these questions that, um, keep in mind, this is in the perfect world. And obviously, um, COVID is very much a factor in this. So obviously, there is a preamble of saying, well, if COVID impacts, takes away seven games or that kind of stuff or takes away meets, this could play a possibility. Just to um, remind the folks at home and our uh, guesters that um, that's kind of a sticker that we're going to have to uh, look at. But why don't we get things started here with our first way or no way. Joe, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, way or no way that the Loyola girls basketball team wins the CCL this year? I say way. I just think that there's too much experience there to uh, experience a significant letdown over time. And I think that you're, you're going you're gonna to take your lumps in the, uh, I mean, they're in the GCAC technically. It's like a side version yeah. of CCL, but um, you're going to take your lumps. I, I wouldn't be surprised with all these games concentrated that they, they lose a game or two, but uh, I think they're the, the class of the league and um, other teams will lose too. So I think they come out on top. Yeah, I'm going to keep it boring here and agree with Joe. Um, as we talked about earlier, there's just so many ways that team can beat you on a given night. And with such depth on the roster and such a, a high level of talent in the starting lineup and off the bench, I think that it's pretty safe to say they're a very strong contender to, to win conference. All right, let's move on to our second question now. Way or no way, Marty, that Nutrier Girls Gymnastics wins the CSL South? Ooh, tough one coming at me there, Michael. I'm going to say um, way on that one as well. Um, Joe had a chance to cover them a little bit earlier this season, and um, I was fortunate enough to, to read over that article and learn a little bit about the team. 
and it seems like they're returning some some upper class performers who had very strong seasons um, last year and I know they had a, a couple girls gymnasts who reached state last year returning this year so I think similar to to the previous question that there's a pretty strong likelihood they um, they're able to finish at the at the very if not the top conference finish um, second or third I'm gonna say no way um, I think that uh, you know there, there's a couple other you know GBS comes to mind obviously puts together strong performances every year and I think you know Nutrier's dealing with injuries on and off and GBS might too just because of this this condensed season and um, you know they had a very short time to ramp up uh, you know I don't know if they're getting their best gymnast to do the all-around um, which might be a trouble for their main score um, come when it comes to you know conference play or conference looking at um, the, the best scores of, of the evening so I think they come up just short and and really no no fault to their talent alone just some circumstance with this weird year um i don't think i think some injuries are going to hold them back all right joe we're going to stick with you with our third way or no way way or no way that loyola boys basketball finishes with more wins than nutrier oh, well nutrier missed a week so that might be an easy one <laughs> um maybe winning percentage, is winning percentage yeah why don't we do winning percentage I say way, I, I, I think Ian Burns not being in the starting lineup for Nutria really hurts them to have some stability. Um, um, Will Geis is, is a very stable player on, uh, as, a, as an off guard, um, and they do have some exciting and fast talent, um, but junior led, and I think it's unproven, and I think uh, you're going to run into Evanston and GBS, who, who you might take your lumps there, and um, it's going to be, I think, a gauntlet a little bit. And it is for Loyola, too, but I think that they got a good thing going. They know who they are. Um, and uh, just the way they play, they, they, they're in every single game. Um, so um, I think Loyola might have a slightly better team than Nutria this year. Yeah, I'm going to say way also um, for a couple of the reasons that Joe also mentioned, I think the schedule is a huge factor of it. You look at, you got two games against Glenbrook South, two games against Evanston. And just the fact that uh, Nutria is going to be trying to pile in, I think upwards of a dozen games now in a, in something like a three week, four week stretch. So um, that number is probably maybe even a little bit closer to 15 games, depending on how they're rescheduling everything and what they'll be looking at in that regard. But it's going to be it's going to be really hectic once they get back on the court because they'll pretty much be playing almost every day or every other day. So certainly that's going to take a toll on a team and um, it's going to challenge a team's depth. So I think with Loyola right now being able to avoid those pauses for the time being and be, being able to get into a rhythm of playing games consistently, that'll work in their favor and um them being able just to always stay close with their style of play that Joe mentioned and keeping games, keeping games low scoring, trying to control the game in the half court and, and letting the game come to them. I think that there's a, there's a good chance they'll, they'll have a little higher winning percentage than the Trevs this year. All right. All right. Fourth question going to Marty here. Uh, way or no way that the Nutria boys swimming and diving team holds off GBS and some rivals and wins the CSL South this year. I'm going to go way on this one. Um, 
pretty much usually the gold standard of, of swimming and diving. It, it takes place at Nutrier. So I know GBS has a, has a talented roster, up and coming roster that you, you alluded to Michael and, and that we've covered in our previous endeavors, but I think Nutrier always puts together a very strong team and they'll be, they'll be right up there this year as always. I anticipate. Yeah, more, more boring, but I'm also going away um, on that one that, uh, that Nutrier's just got the depth and we talk about that all the time when it comes to swimming, you know, even if they lose the main race um, or the first place um, title, they, they got the second, third and fourth place swimmers. So they rack up those points um, really easily. And with relays back, um, you know, Nutrier um, can really stock up points on relays, especially because they can put two quality relays in one race. So um, I think Nutrier and, and of course, talented program with people coming back, um, I think Nutrier has got a, a, a good, good unit this year. All right. Final way or no way. And I had to get football into this. So obviously football season start practices starts on March 3rd and games uh, start on March 19th. Joe way or no way that the football season starts on time. I mean, I'll say way, let's go away. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get all the, Let's play in some snow. Let's get some plows out there. It's, we're going to have a snowfall in March, if not multiple, just every year. I think last year when we were doing some of the research for previous, you know, there were snowfalls as late as mid-April. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, I know it's going to be annoying for some coaches and players, but they're so jacked up anyway, just to have a season. I really think that uh, we're going to really try to make this happen on time and get in as many games as possible um, within reason. I think the main thing we have to worry about is temperature over snow. Um, just make sure that it's above freezing, um, hopefully in the forties for them to get outside with their gear on. But um, I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to, we're going to practice in some snow and some wind and um, have an interesting football season. Yeah. Strictly for good vibes only. I got to agree with Joe and, <laughs> <laughs> and say, way we, we got, we can't be having any of those negative thoughts here, at least for now, um, because this is the most hopeful we've been, for a football season in a very long time. So, you know, barring anything crazy, like a blizzard, we've just went through the, the past day or so here in the city, hopefully the snow wouldn't affect um, game procedures too much um, unless it was happening actually when the game was scheduled to be played. You know, if it were to take place a, a couple of days before or even the day right before, hopefully we would have the capacity to, to clear out the field and be able to make things work. So, We'll just have to see how all those things play out uh, as we get closer to the date here. But obviously we'll, we'll, we'll be facing challenges and there will be roadblocks, but it's going to take, it's taken creative minds to get to this point. So we'll have to use a, a little bit more creativity to, uh, to get this season across. All right, folks, there you have it. That is a way or no way, not too much fighting or anything like that. So it'll work better on questions next week, but uh, good to get some debate going and some insight going as well. So why don't we move on over to the fourth quarter where we're going to be talking about a couple of more newsier sports stories going on um, in the North Shore area. Why don't we start off first uh, with uh, my story that I wrote about uh, youth sports in uh, the area um, over the past year. I thought it'd be interesting to look at um, what it's been like uh, for youth sports uh, teams and organizations during a pandemic. Obviously, we hear a lot about professional um, 
high school and college sports, we didn't hear much about youth sports and what they're able to do. And um, what we've, what I was able to find was just how um, different it was and how uh, some groups were able to get um, something going. Some groups were not able to go get anything going at all. And how um, basically it was just for a lot of parents um, of youth uh, sport athletes, it was a lot of trying to find a balance and trying to figure out um, how do I make sure my kid is safe, obviously during a pandemic with a, uh, a virus, but how do you also make sure that your kid's uh, mental health is good and um, keep them active and that kind of stuff. So um, it was a really interesting look at to see um, what different organizations did, like the junior uh, Trevians football team only had a flag football season with a lot of precautions and um, a lot of masks and a lot of uh, tirade, some yelling, some happy moments, obviously, as well. And then you had um, some groups like uh, the local um, grade schools um, and junior highs weren't able to do anything at all. And they were, uh, because of IESA rules and um, mitigations, they weren't able to do much and get much going or anything like that. And then you have them in between where you have uh, soccer clubs and baseball teams getting able to do some things, some travel, but, um, or just being able to do intra um, club league and that kind of stuff. So it was really interesting to just watch and see how um, teams were able to kind of put things together, kind of act um, act in the best interest of the kids. Obviously, obviously, with everyone I talked to, safety was their top priority and making sure that everyone was safe and following the rules and following all the protocols. But um, I would encourage a lot of people to check it out just to see what it was like, just to see. Um, what protocols were in place and uh, to see um, just what really had to go in, what um, sports really had, in, had to go into because um, as you guys know, it, it was a tough challenge for a lot of different sports, but to uh, try to get it going with a youth sports organization, I mean, it, it was just trying to figure out how to balance it all. Yeah, and Mike, you know, you, you did a really nice job, um, really well done um, putting it together and um, the, the, the interviewing and the, uh, the reporting on it was, was really strong. And some takeaways for me was, you know, the, the junior Trevians football program was able to get 700 kids signed up, you know, that's, that's yeah. a huge number during a pandemic and they switched to flag football. Um, and you guys should definitely check out the story and we'll, um, we'll continue to promote it, but um, 700 kids is no joke. And, you know, reading the story and seeing that, they also had to deal with parents on the sidelines or visitors on the sidelines, not following protocols and starting some like mini feuds was infuriating almost because this program worked their butts off to get 700 kids active during a pandemic. And you can't follow a simple protocol to keep that alive. Uh, that was very just insight in, inside of, of what these programs have to deal with. And then you can look at a perspective, like we all played you sports and most kids do of, be you know a football player trying to to to, to play and then uh the flag football arising and you get to but on the baseball side the one baseball association they weren't able to even though they tried and it's um it was just very interesting to see the different perspectives from all these league leaders um and i think it's definitely worth your guys time to check out the story and we'll probably see this as something that's going to be a theme of, of summer youth sports this year as well. Um, hopefully things start to improve for the better and it'll be a lot easier for these programs to, to conduct sports in the spring and the summer and even the fall months of, of this year. But um, 
it's it's certainly not going away. So these these a lot of these programs will be facing similar challenges as as they did last year. Make sure you guys check it out as you guys uh, check out all the other uh, stories uh, that we have over at the record shore.org. But um, let's move over now to the final part of the podcast where uh, on Tuesday night, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, it seems like it's officially going to be the end of an era at Nutria High School. Marty, I know you had the story of um, big changes happening at Nutria's Winnetka campus. Yeah, exactly, Michael. You said it perfectly there. It's the it's the end of an era at Nutshire. We uh, we talked about last week how it was almost a a foregone conclusion, but at last night's board of education meeting, we got the official approval from the board um, to move forward with a plan that's going to demolish Gates Gym and construct a new three story athletics and kinetic wellness facility. And included in that facility is going to be a brand new competition gym, a six lane indoor track an artificial turf field area on the first floor, new cardio and weight training spaces, uh, multiple new auxiliary gyms off to the side that will allow for um, a lot of the school's basketball programs, increased practice time, um, new academic learning spaces, about a dozen of those, eight of those spaces are going to be new classrooms. So not only is it going to be an athletics uh, endeavor, it's also going to improve the school's academic um, learning operations as well. So sort of a, a whole scale, all endeavoring project that's gonna touch on, on many areas of the school. So the, the timeline for the project is construction is slated to begin at the end of this year, December of this year of 2021, I believe. And the targeted completion date is August of 2023. Um, and for our listeners who may be wondering out there, uh, Nutria Athletics are not gonna lose any um, sports season during that construction construction period. All sports are still going to go on as planned, and they're still going to be able to play somewhat of a resemblance of a home schedule as well with a lot of their games taking place at the school's Northfield campus. That's a um, fortunate situation for the district that they're able to have uh, two campuses where they'll still be able to provide their teams with, uh, with some resemblance, as I mentioned, of a, of a home schedule. So the total project cost is coming in at about $75.2 million and it's not going to require a referendum. So that just about covers uh, most of the project, but I encourage anyone looking for more information to check out our website as we've, uh, we've pretty thoroughly reported on this, on this situation. Yeah, I know Marty, you've gotten a lot of good uh, in, uh, insight and that kind of stuff. And uh, I know from previous conversations and previous reporting, um, it seems like obviously people are sad to watch the gym go, but everyone's excited for what's to come. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty amazing. Almost everyone who in these public meetings has addressed the Board of Education has spoken in favor of the project and pretty, pretty resoundingly as well. I don't think there has been one community member or coach or athlete who addressed the board and said that they weren't in favor of the project and that they wanted the current Gates facility to, to keep going. Obviously, as you mentioned, Michael, there's a lot of history in that facility, a, a lot of great memories, but we heard it um, over and over again from board members, from district officials that the time is right. And after 100 years, it, uh, it's just not worth the maintenance costs that, uh, that would need to go into it. And the, it just won't be able to best serve the the students both athletically and academically. So I think this new facility is going to accomplish quite a lot for the district and that the Nutria's Winneka campus in general has, uh, has undergone quite, 
quite the series of changes in the last uh, six or seven years or so, obviously with a significant renovation of the west side of the campus as well, which knocked down three of the three of the 1920s buildings that were on that side of the campus. So a lot of changes to that Wanaka campus and pretty significant investment um, over these last six or seven years. All right. Well, make sure uh, everyone at home goes to check out the good reporting from Marty on this and all the other stories that we have at the recordnorthshore.org. Um, as we finish up, guys, anything you guys are looking forward to? Any uh, events, any games this uh, upcoming week that you guys uh, are kind of looking forward to or kind of keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, I think this, this Saturday, new Trier GBS game is going to be fun. Um, I want to see GBS. I want to see my my third Martinelli that I've watched over the past. <laughs> see what he's all about and um uh you know if if uh, the wife doesn't get too mad at me i hope to to check it out on saturday all right joe, sounds good well joe loves oh, sorry Mary, go ahead. joe loves joe does hoops. love his hoops <laughs> i do love hoops <laughs> glad they're back very glad they're back all right well that's all we got for you folks here on the jam-packed episode of the podcast thanks so much for listening and just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available just give us a nice little shout when you're there and uh give us a um a nice little um five-star rating if you choose to do that whatever you want to do don't do any one-star ratings we're not into that kind of stuff um but make sure you um you are uh subscribing and uh spreading the word as well we appreciate for um every listen that we get and make sure you check out old episodes of the podcast as well so for joe marty and i thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road thanks for listening thank you for listening to the varsity uh, product of the record northshore.org your nonprofit local newsroom the Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.